So welcome to our podcast on systems thinking, systems leading. I'm Andy Murray, the Executive Director of the Major Projects Association, and uh, I'd like to welcome Mark Wilde and Michelle Dix. But before we go into our discussion, I just want to do a quick recap on what the seminar was all about. So we held a session on the 27th of September on systems thinking, systems leading, and it builds upon previous sessions and, and seminars that we've held on the complexity of major projects and how they're driven by um, systems complexity. And we've looked at things such as systems engineering and systems thinking uh, more broadly. But what we wanted to do this time was to move beyond the sort of the challenge of sort of modeling of systems and understanding you know, systems to one more about the leadership and that leadership in the context of complex relationships, the interconnectedness of those systems and relationships that they generate, and also the aspects of non-linear development that we need when we're building systems. Um, the session we had was built in two parts. Um, the first part, we had four speakers giving us their take on different aspects of systems leadership. And then we asked our members to earn their attendance, so to speak. Uh, and uh, we went into syndicate sessions and they started to profile what a great systems leader uh, would look like. And uh, we'll reflect on both of those. But before we do that, uh, Perhaps uh, just like to ask Mark and Michelle just to introduce yourselves. So just a, a quick recap of who are you, uh, uh, where do you come from, and uh, perhaps some just uh, some little sound bites on your experience of systems leading as well. So Mark, should we go to you first? Oh, thanks, Andy. Uh, yeah, my name's Mark Wild. I I was until recently the CEO of Crossrail. I'm now the CEO of SGN, who are one of uh, the UK's biggest gas distribution companies. I've spent all my life in complex systems. I'm an electrical engineer, but I guess I think of myself more as a technical and engineering leader. I've run the tube. I've done all sorts of interesting things. But yeah, I suppose I'm most notably known at the moment for being the person who was lucky enough to be there at the end of Crossrail. And I think that that's how I would kind of put it. Great. Thank you, Mark. And Mark, you were the chair for our session. So um, you had the, uh, um, the privilege of kicking it all off and uh, directing the, the conversations as we went through the session. So uh, I've never said it before, but once again, thanks for, for, for chairing such a great session. Michelle, same question to you. Uh, hello, uh, I'm Michelle Dix. I'm a board member for the Major Projects Association. I've got a specific task for the Major Projects Association to lead on their landmark objective about promoting capability. I was until this time last year, the managing director of Crossrail 2. And before then, through my role as the managing director of planning, had been influential in ensuring a lot of new pieces of infrastructure uh, were built within London. Um, 45 years experience, I'm now enjoying a more peaceful life. And of course, in that experience, Michelle, you had some very complex um, major projects around things like congestion charging as well. So, uh, you know, uh, not not easy systems to even sort of envision, let alone uh, deliver. OK, so uh, let's go on to that first part then, the, the four speakers we had. And I'll just do a quick recap and then I'll ask both of you to perhaps give your reflections on it. But we had Craig uh, Hoggett kick us off um, from Accenture and he just gave us the uh, sort of the theory, if you like, of systems thinking and how that 
related to the role of, of the leader. And there's a number of things that uh, he, he emphasised, but one was around the fact that leaders need to engage and there was a big difference between what he called the observed system, how you go about seeing what's going on and what he talked about the engaged system. And he did give some examples of uh, some you know complex systems that we, we need to be working on. And he gave an example of the National Grid's uh, Energy Pathway 2030 programme, which is so complex. We're only starting to understand the scale of the changes needed as we sort of uh, uh, diversify our, our energy supply. And uh, it was actually quite interesting, Mark, for you, I think, because having moved from transport to, to energy, we had a bit of an energy theme going on with our uh, with our speakers for, for the day. Then we had uh, Dave Parkin from um, Progressive Energy, and, and Dave is the Programme Director for um, HiNet Northwest. And what was fascinating for me um, in terms of the, 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 the HiNet Northwest Programme is that it's not actually a single entity called HiNet. It's a coalition of organisations something like a hundred or so altogether coming together it's an industry-led uh, initiative uh, and it's all about sort of breaking that uh, link between sort of wealth creation and, and carbon emissions and it's bringing together these two very complex systems one around uh, hydrogen and another one around uh, co2 um, and uh, it's about creating both the demand uh, and the supply so it's a, a new ecosystem that doesn't yet exist needs to be created in, in a collection of, um, of, of of components that have to come together to create a whole. And there was a couple of takes that, that David um, provided. One was, he said, leadership was decision-making with imperfect information. I, I thought that was a, a great uh, um, sort of insight around that challenge of decision of leadership, because the more complex the system, the more imperfect the information is going to be. And then the other take he had is that the um, the value of good leadership is the change that you will have made to what otherwise would have happened without you. So he talked about it being that predictive outcome uh, and the intervention that, that the leader can make. I thought both of those were, were great points beyond the fascinating detail of his uh, of his case, which we'll hear more about in this podcast. Then we had. Uh, Joanna Rowell from Arup, who talked about the Towns Fund, uh, and again, similar to uh, HiNet Northwest, so it's a, lots of individual parts coming together to create an overall system. But what was really fascinating for the Towns Fund was that there, it started off with 101 towns competing for a, you know, a finite pot of funding, and it moved to 101 towns collaborating to get best value out of that fund across all of them. Uh, and what enabled that was linking what they were doing collectively to a much higher purpose, to make it really purposeful what they were looking to do. And that is really the realm of the, the leader in generating that sense of purpose required to get those towns to collaborate rather than compete. And the last one uh, we had was Andrew McNaughton, who uh, was commissioned by the Institution of Civil Engineers to do a report or a study leading to a report around the systems approach to infrastructure delivery. Um, and one of the things that came out from that is that leadership was a key element. In fact, it was you know one of the stated principles, but also you could link it back to all of the other elements within the report in, in, in different ways. But we sort of drifted into, through the questions, a discussion around that any professional discipline could become the programme leader. And when you become the programme leader in a systems 
environment, you have to leave your professional discipline behind. Um, so uh, I think we had a discussion around, it's a bit like if the leader of the orchestra perhaps came from, you know, was a violinist, you, you wouldn't want them to be only focused on the strings section of the orchestra and then ignore the other sections. They've got to leave that part behind and think about the orchestra as a whole. So uh, that did set us up for some rich discussions afterwards. So they were my top takes from the, the four presentations. Perhaps, Mark, if I could uh, invite you, you know, you know, to offer your own reflections from from four very very different perspectives around the the role of the systems leader. Yeah, I think that it was a great session, wasn't it? It was really one of the best leadership sessions I've had in this space over a number of years. I mean, I was struck by the diversity of the programs from the Towns program to HiNet, just incredible, really. But for me, there were two two really dominant themes in everything that was said. It was firstly the role of leadership, and I loved I loved Craig's insight about thinking about the relationship of a leader to the program. Instead mm -hmm. of a leader being asked to lead the program authoritatively and heroically and be held accountable, this idea of leaders having a relation with almost an ecosystem, I thought was really insightful. But in, mm -hmm. in all of the presentations, people spoke about leadership. And in all of the presentations, people spoke about complexity. And I, I really did like this concept, which really chimes with me about leaders being there to 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 affect the change that would occur without them you know mm. otherwise why why else would we lead so there were my two insights you know the this really profound thing about leaders relating to programs i thought was a great insight from craig made me really really think stimulated me that thought i don't know what michelle thinks but they were they were kind of my my takeaways great thanks mark so so michelle did you have similar takeaways or um were there other things that chimed with you I, I was fascinated by all four speakers, actually, and obviously Mark as well at the beginning. But sort of, I was fascinated by all four because they were very different. And 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 Craig, so like reiterating something that you know people have said in the past, which is the whole system is greater than some of the parts. And one of the roles of the leaders is is to make that happen, is to ensure that all those different parts and all those different experts that are available to help deliver those parts work together as a whole. Um, I also thought it was good that what came out is that a leader doesn't have to be the expert in everything. A leader just has to be someone who can engage everybody within that programme in order to deliver the whole system. So, so it's a different sort of leader potentially that we want going forward. I thought it was great having Joanna present the Towns Forum because that was a very different um, project to those that perhaps many people within the audience might have expected because mm -hmm. you'd expect to hear about a big infrastructure project. But but that was 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 very, very different. But she illustrated very clearly how systems thinking was required to deliver that. And as you you pointed out, um to get that collaboration, you know, that they, they they would all win if they all worked together. So the collaboration was sort of something that sort of is difficult for us to work out exactly how we get on projects when there are many different players. But there where, and I think it's a statement that you made, Mark, if everyone owns the 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 whole, if everyone owns what's going to happen, then you're all more likely together to succeed. Um, obviously, the high net example that Dave presented was absolutely fascinating, particularly because he illustrated the extent to which his system 
infiltrated so many different parts of the whole of the northwest of England, basically, with different types of um, activities that needed to be undertaken. Uh, that that with his rich his rich picture, um, visualizing it all, I thought was really really good. But but as a whole, I think it would be difficult to come away from those sort of like um, talks, including Andrew's, sort of like with, with with the work in terms of what the ICE has been doing, not to understand that actually systems thinking is going to make a big difference going forward. Yeah, and what was fascinating, you know, drawing out the contrast between those two cases in particular, one is, you know, publicly funded, policy-led, so it's top-down, but very distributed in its nature, the town's fund. The other one being industry-led, you know, privately funded, uh, and it's sort of a bottom-up, if you like. You know, it's all the, the the players coming together to to create something and not necessarily policy-driven, to the extent that actually they're having to lobby and asks for some of the policy to be created and particularly the uh, um, David mentioned about working with the regulators to create the environment in which it's worthwhile for people to come in and join you know that the coalition or the ecosystem mm -hmm. so to speak but but considering we have those two very contrasting examples the the need or the, the, the characteristics of the systems leader seem to be quite common in terms of understanding the dynamics of that system, understanding that it's about relationships uh, and understanding, Mark, from leading on from your opening about owning the whole, what that whole actually is and, and where the boundaries are. So so perhaps um, if we could follow up on, on that part, uh, Mark, you, you did mention about a lesson that you had when you came into Crossrail was the need to own the whole. Uh, and and that, that whole went in some respects, beyond the organisational boundary that, that you were, were leading? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what Towns, and I, I really do agree with Michelle, I enjoyed listening to the Towns programme. Uh, and I know a lot about HiNet with the job I have at the moment, so I knew about HiNet. But Towns and HiNet share one thing, and you've already mentioned it, or one of them, I think you, Andy, they, they're purposeful. They're mm -hmm. very purposeful. They matter. Towns matters to communities. Net matters to the future decarbonisation committed path. They're purposeful. And I think this is crucial because I, I, I have a problem with the word collaboration. I think it goes back to kind of Latham and Egan and you know, alliance structures and people working together collaboratively to build things. I think in the world of major programmes now, purpose is much more, well, first of all, it's a more exciting word, purpose, isn't it, than collaboration. Mm. And to be purposeful, implies the leader is transcendent above individual transactional collaboration. And without getting too metaphysical about it, I, I really did like Craig's idea of a leader having a relationship with the ecosystem and the program. And I thought both uh, Joanne and, uh, is it David from the HiNet program? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think they were purposeful and they transcended beyond collaboration, but they had to. Because in towns and high net, if they don't transcend above it, they won't actually happen. So I think as leaders, they've almost been compelled. And certainly that was the case in Crossrail. Easier in Crossrail when we were at the point of failure. Much more difficult in high net and towns that haven't gone wrong. And how do you become purposeful in a system leader in something that's successful, I think, is an interesting thing. Yeah, and in both those cases, when you're looking at the whole in terms of the, the system, it requires that the, the system's leader to 
lead outside of their organizational authority. So they're having to use influence and 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 other uh, forms of uh, engagement uh, rather than relying on position, uh, which can sometimes happen. And interesting that came out in Andrew's um, reflections in his report, saying gone are the days of the hero leader and and the authoritarian uh, leader. So that's a really nice segue onto the second part of uh, of our discussion today, which is the 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 interactive bit, the syndicate work that we asked the attendees to uh, to consider, which is around if we were to describe a great um, systems leader, what would they look like? And we did ask for names as well, but but it was the attributes that we were uh, focusing on most. And Michelle, if, if I could bring you in first, because um, there was a bit of skullduggery, if you like, as to the reason why we asked this question, uh, because the association has a, a landmark objective. We are looking to uh, work with members to move the dial on leadership capability and and this is an area that we've focused on so perhaps if I could uh, ask you to, to come in first and and reflect on you know what were the things that came out of the syndicate session what were the key takeaways for you what was what was interesting is we asked people to sort of say you know how would systems thinking make leaders more effective uh what behavioral um aspects did uh leaders need to show going forward um were there any role models um, or types of role models that people looked up to um, in terms of sort of good leaders and did they want to name some? Now, I won't embarrass people by by reporting the names that were named, but but there are some very good uh, systems leaders out there already that people could aspire to. But the things that came out, um, which were, it shouldn't be surprising, but they're good, is, is what people aren't looking for in terms of a leader going for is a shoot from the hip sort of person, a know-it-all who's done it all before and is just going to come in and tell you all how to do it again. Because many of the projects people are leading now are much more complicated. And, and if you've got to focus on outputs and outcomes, then, then you need you need to sort of like consider the whole system more carefully than people have done in the past. And nobody knows it all. So you need a leader who's going to listen. You need a leader who's capable of assimilating information that people have provided uh, to them and act actively encourage people to, to share that information, actively encourage people to speak out, particularly if they, you know, they might not like some of the things that they hear. Um, create a safe space for people to to speak out. Um, all those sort of like softer things were things that sort of came out in the discussion as to what they'd expect to see in a leader going forward. Someone who listens, someone who wants to engage, someone who wants to hear what everyone thinks, but also someone who can assimilate that information, simplify that information, focus on what it is, the purpose, in terms of what everyone is going to deliver, and 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 do that sort of like quickly. It's not a case of taking forever to come to any decisions. It's assimilating information and actually helping making decisions and having this common purpose. There, there were two words that I think, Mark, you used at the very beginning when introducing um, the sort of like, uh, you know, the qualities of a leader. And, I, and, I, and they've, they've resonated with me since is that they should be curious and therefore have curiosity, but also have velocity, i.e. sort of be curious about everything simulate everything but let's move on and get things done and that's a careful balance to tread isn't it yes because you know there's a danger that the more curious you are the you know the there's a danger of slowing things down there's a danger if you if, if the velocity is too high then you've missed some issues or some opportunities and you know you're not delivering full value so and that's an art isn't it we're, we're moving away from as they, the beginning of the you know, 
the session, we said we wanted to think about systems thinking, but not in the technical aspects of how we do the modeling and decomposition of complexity, but into the the art, the, the behavioral aspects of the role of the, the leader. Yeah, so thanks, Michelle. So, so Mark, did, did you, you know, what were you sort of your key key takeaways from that feedback that we had from, from the attendees? I've been in a few sessions now where that question's been asked. And I've been surprised by how easy it is for the attendees to identify. It's not like we're talking about a mystical thing, I, which means I think there's something in this. It's kind of common sense. It's it feels um, it feels sort of uh, consistent and coherent. You rarely get in those sessions somebody describing something or like completely off the wall. So I think this is a very human centered. It's at the heart of being a human, like a good human being. And I always like the way Michelle talks about kindness. See, if you have kindness and curiosity, you're going to win, aren't you? Because people are going to tell you the tell you the truth. I think the really interesting thing is how do you gain velocity with curiosity? I think there's a certainly we got that wrong in Crossrail. You know, we in my first year in Crossrail, we probably procrastinated for about four, four months too long before we put the rubber in the road. And it took. Jim Crawford actually joining our program for velocity to increase. So I think I've been thinking a lot about how do you have curiosity and velocity together. The only one I would add to what Michelle's list was leaders that can reduce the fear of failure. The yeah. fear of failure is a very corrosive thing. And I, when I look at Crossrail, I think fundamentally people were frightened to fail, not because they were going to be punished. It was just a cultural issue of Nobody wanted to be the person who brought the house of cards down. And that eventually led to lack of curiosity and opacity. So I think we're under, we're under something here, aren't we? But I guess the question is, in, in MPA and the APM and the PMA, are modern leaders being, being trained like this? How do you train people in this? How do you encourage them? How do you mentor them? I, I don't know what you think, Andy. I, is there, yeah. is there a valuable work stream to take this forward rather than just talking about it? Yeah, and that's uh, um, well, Michelle, I'll let you, you you come in and answer this one as well. But but the 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 rationale for including this event on our events program and some of the work we're doing around it is to help us, you know, um, eventually answer that question. But but initially, you know, what what ought to be done? So what what are the development pathways for? The new systems leader, or the you know the leader of, of major projects, um, and I think we're recognising that there's a multidisciplinary aspect. There's a variety of experience that's required, and then there's the developing of those um, additional skills we've just been discussing. And and you know, if we're going to you know identify someone as uh, as a systems leader of the future, then how do we give them that experience? probably the experience pathway rather than the development pathway so that you know when they are appointed to a senior leadership role it doesn't have to be the leader but a senior leadership role on a major project they've got that balance of of capability that they can bring with them um, and and I think there are a number of ways of doing that so you know it may well be you know facilitating secondments um, but I think a part of it will be working with other professional bodies and institutions around, you know, how does that compare to what we already have captured in competency frameworks and, and development um, frameworks as well. So Michelle, I know that's something that 
it's um, you know, it's, it's taxing you at the moment around what is it? What are the next steps in terms of helping the community, our members, uh, develop systems leaders? Well, one one of the things we want to do is to um, ask our members what's out there already that helps them. You know, either as individuals uh, or in terms of companies, what are companies doing already to help um, individuals sort of develop in this area? And it's usually helping them develop these softer skills. And, and a lot of people refer to emotional intelligence. Is emotional intelligence something you have and you can't sort of like gain? Or is emotional intelligence something that's sort of like through exposure, through experience, through, through potentially a bit of coaching? you can get better at you know be, be more empathetic be more aware of how people around you feel um and how you can bring them in so so we're exploring what's out there already by asking people this seminar enabled us to ask all those people what they thought a good leader should be like and then we'd want to understand where are the gaps what what's not being sort of like taught um either in the institutions or in 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 in, in companies and what could be added to courses? It so happens I'm on a um, a university advisory board that's uh, developing a course, and this is one of the things that's being discussed about how some of these softer skills can be automatically incorporated within the course. And some of it, as I as I I personally think, is going to be gained um, through through experience. But people then giving you the feedback to say, you know, you might have handled that better if you'd done so and so. So honesty and transparency in how you are developing people. And, and it reminds me of um, a sort of assessment um, process we used to have at TfL, where people would, would, would assess you at the end of the year in terms of what you had done. And there were two aspects, what you had done and two, how you had done it. And the majority of people focused on what people had done. And they didn't focus on how they had done it. And if you looked at how they'd done it, i.e. they'd trodden on people in getting it done, they'd upset all these people in getting it done. They hadn't actually done all their job and they hadn't have done it in the way that they should have done. So, mm. so, so advising people and helping people in getting that how to do it better is key, I think, in going forward, particularly if, if you respond to what people said at the seminar, i.e. the sort of leader that they wanted. They've got to be kind, they've got to be empathetic, they've got to listen, they've got to encourage They've got to welcome challenge. They have to create an environment where there's no fear. There's no fear at all. There's no fear of failure. And then they'll be happy workers. And if they're happy, the job will get done. Great summary. So I, I think um, that's a good place to, um, to to wrap up this this first part of this podcast. And we'll just do a, a quick advert, though, um, in terms of the the report that comes from our seminars. So. You know, um, regular uh, members of the the association will will know that uh, shortly after our events, uh, we produce a short report or a highlight report, and then some weeks later we produce the full report. So, if you're listening to this podcast because uh, you were unable to to make the seminar, or you're so fascinated that you wanted to know more, then uh, please do look out for the report when it comes out in in a few weeks' time. Um, that's all for this part. For now, if I could uh, just say thank you, Mark, once again. Thank you, Michelle, once again. And uh, it's been great having you here and sort of recapping on some of the highlights from a couple of weeks ago. Thank you.